Russian President Vladimir Putin called the U.S. dollar's drop in dominance, quote, objective and irreversible during the recent BRICS summit in South Africa, as Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa formally agreed to use local currencies instead of the U.S. dollar. It's the first shoe to drop. As demand for the dollar weakens, the buying power of the dollar also weakens. That's why Birch Gold Group is busier than ever. Investors and savers are looking to harness the power of physical gold held in a tax-sheltered IRA. Text MONICA to 989-898 for your free info kit on gold. Thousands of happy customers, an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, and countless five-star reviews, you can count on Birch Gold to help you navigate transitioning an existing IRA or 401k into an IRA in gold. As the U.S. dollar continues to receive pressure from foreign countries, digital currency, and central banks, arm yourself with information on how to protect your savings. Just text MONICA to 989-898 to claim your free info kit from Birch Gold Group right now. Hi, guys. I'm Monica Crowley, and this is the Monica Crowley Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me here on this Thursday as we wrap up yet another week of bear survival in Biden's America. This is your go-to for hot liberty, a safe space for all of us thought criminals, independent thinkers, and happy warriors. Please follow me on social media, Instagram at Monica Crowley underscore and Twitter and True Social at Monica Crowley. Also by email at Monica Crowley Podcast at gmail.com. I love hearing from you guys. So drop me a note. Let me know what's on your mind. All right. Can you believe that tomorrow is September 1st? I cannot even believe. I can't believe. Don't you long for the summers of your childhood when the summers just lasted forever? Or at least they felt that way. September 1 tomorrow. Are you kidding me? Oh, man. I mean, really. The winters can be depressing in the Northeast, okay? Like when you're in the the depths of January, February, March, where it's gray and cold. But I find like this time of year, as much as I enjoy fall in the Northeast, I got to tell you, this Labor Day period of time, super depressing. Maybe it's just like reaching back to an emotional touchstone of going back to school, you know, as a kid and sort of Labor Day mark the end of your free-for-all summer, devil may care, running through the sprinklers barefoot. And then Labor Day comes and you're like, got to go to the store and pick up a trapper keeper. (laughs) Back to school. So this whole time of year, I find, uh, and, and again, it could be residual stress from going back to school for so many years, but I find it a little depressing and stressful for no apparent reason. I'm a grown adult. <laughs> I'm fine, but I don't know. Anyway, try to enjoy your Labor Day weekend. This is sort of the last gasp of unofficial summer, which doesn't end until, what, September 20th or 21st when we get the fall eclipse. Uh, so try to enjoy this weekend with those you love. Happy to have you on board this weekend. Tell everybody you know and that you see over the holiday weekend to listen to the Monica Crowley podcast. All right, next week, as we kick off this new season and this new month here on the show, we have so many big things teed up for you. Next week, as I mentioned previously, I want to start doing sort of a, a review of some lowlights of Barack Obama and his presidency because he is in his third term now and Barack and Michelle, as well as the entire Obama machine, want a fourth and fifth and maybe sixth, seventh and eighth terms as well to lock in the fundamental transformation of the nation and usher in the Great Reset, not just here, but globally. Remember, the United States is the biggest obstacle to the globalists ushering in this one world government 
uh, social credit score system and surveillance state. So Obama's been working hand in glove. Biden, of course, is just the puppet to get that third term. Um, but they want to continue to go. They need to continue to move forward with this. So how are they going to do it? Well, it could very well be Michelle. So for a whole variety of reasons, not only to explain what we've been living through this dystopian hellscape of the Biden administration, such as it is over the last, what, two and a half, three years, um, we also need to do this uh, deep review of some of the big things that Obama did because they may run Michelle. So we're going to take this on because few others will, but on this program, we are not afraid. So we're going to begin that uh, next week, and we're going to do it, you know, in bits and pieces here and there. But I have been excavating a lot of stuff, so you are not going to want to miss this. Also, I want to recommend to you my last book, which was called What the Bleep Just Happened. Now, it was published in 2012, and it was a comprehensive review of Obama's first term. The horrors that are in that book are beyond belief. You've probably forgotten about a lot of them. We're going to review, but I recommend that book just to refresh your memory, especially if they're going to turn to Michelle. Guys, we need to understand and remember what we were up against from 08 straight through the end of his term in 2016. Donald Trump gave us a respite. Now we're back under Biden in air quotes, and we could very well be heading full on if uh, they run Michelle. So this is the reason why we're going to deconstruct Barack Obama and take a lot of this apart. Okay, so you're not going to want to miss this. This is going to be an Obama series, which uh, you're going to want to hear. Also, next week, I want to share something uh, from the past that is big that I was reminded of the other day by a good friend, something big that you're not going to want to miss. I promise you're going to love it, and you're going to really absorb it. That's also coming next week. Also, we've got Kevin and Sam Sorbo. They're going to be here next week. Also coming up in future shows, coming up down the pike, the great Matt Gates, the great Jack Posobiec, the great Larry Elder, the great Riley Gaines, the great Jesse Kelly, so many more are going to come up. Plus, as Congress kicks off, we're going to do a legislative preview and a preview of impeachment with a great member of Congress. So we have so many things in store for you that are going to be absolutely amazing. Plus the news and extraordinary analysis that you have come to expect right here on the Monica Crowley podcast. Okay, first up today, the Monica Memo. Our government is Shady Pines Nursing Home. Remember Shady Pines from the Golden Girls? It was always a threat to the old mother, right, Sophia? (laughs) The the longstanding threat to her when she acted up from B. Arthur's character was, I'm going to send you to Shady Pines, Ma. Well, our government is Shady Pines Nursing Home. Every day, the 80-year-old president, air quotes, can't find his pants, never mind string together a sentence. The fact that he has the nuclear codes is absolutely terrifying. The junior senator from Pennsylvania, John Fetterman, had a massive stroke which severely impeded his ability to think and speak and do pretty much everything else. Every photo of him looks dramatically different. Why is that? I don't know. Is there a logical explanation for it? Is he just like losing weight? He shaved his head. He grew a mustache. I mean, in this last photo released last week, he looks like drug kingpin Walter White in Breaking Bad, like everybody has said. But unlike Fetterman, Walter White could actually speak. The senior senator from California, Dianne Feinstein, is 90 years old and was absent from the Senate for months 
after having a major medical crisis, including, I guess, a bout of shingles that damn near almost killed her. Senator Feinstein has to be reminded where she is. You're on the Senate floor, madam. And had a vote. Vote yay, madam. And yesterday, the Republican Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell froze again on camera. Just as he did a few weeks ago, he just froze inexplicably and had to be led away. If Mitch McConnell is doing this on camera, what is happening to him off camera? Frankly, with any of these people, what are we not seeing? Why does Joe Biden go to Delaware every weekend? Why has he been on vacation about 40% of his presidency, air quotes? What are they pumping him up with? What kind of drugs is he on? What kind of therapy is he on? Joe Biden had the White House physician walking with him on the grounds in front of the entire uh, White House press corps. And when people ask Corrine Jean-Pierre the question, she had no answer. Well, a physical wasn't on his schedule. We've got no kind of medical alert for the president, air quotes. What is going on? Why was his doctor there with him, walking with him, right outside the Oval? Uh, I got nothing for you. Again, I can tell you, having been at the United States Treasury Department, whenever the Treasury Secretary merely sneezed, and this was before covid I got a slew of incoming in my inbox from the New York Times, the Washington Post, Politico, you name it. Um, Hey, Monica, just checking. We've heard from a good source that the Treasury uh, Secretary sneezed. Can you confirm? How many Kleenexes did he use? Does he have a cold? Is he taking time off? Is he going home early? This president has uh, seemingly advanced dementia, and he's walking around, he's 80, he's walking around with his doctor, and the White House has nothing. They got nothing for us. So we have no idea what any of these people are experiencing off camera because we're not told, and we've got a propaganda press that will do whatever it takes to cover up and protect these people. They're fundamentally incurious when it comes to Democrats because they will not report anything that is even mildly damaging to them. And most of the time, that's the truth. The truth is always damaging to Democrats and the left. Therefore, the leftists, their wingmen in the press, will not report it. And they will not even ask the question, I think that question to Karine Jean-Pierre was from uh, Peter Ducey. I could be wrong about that, but I think it was Peter Ducey. Why is Peter Ducey the only White House reporter asking legit questions? The rest of them sit there like sheep. Do you ever see the, um, the, the footage of these pressers with Karine Jean-Pierre? Um, Peter Ducey's right there in the front row, and he's asking aggressive questions, which is all of their jobs. And when the camera is trained on him, you can see the people around him, the reporters, reporters, air quotes, around him um, are looking down. They're looking at their feet. They're looking at their phones. They're looking at their notepads. They're embarrassed that Peter Ducey is asking these questions. They're actually embarrassed. So we have no press corps. We haven't had a press corps in decades. Except when there's a Republican president in there, and then all of a sudden they find their journalistic bones, don't they? So what do we have here? We've got Biden who can't find his pants. We've got Senator Fetterman who doesn't know what planet he's on, nor does the senior senator from California, Dianne Feinstein, and of course Mitch McConnell having some sort of I don't know, stroke, infarction, a couple of times now on camera. None of these people are aware of what time it is. How are they running the country? Well, they're not, except into the ground. 
Look, guys, there is young old, and then there is old old. Young old is someone whose advanced age is just a number, but who is absolutely a dynamo of energy and spirit and cognition and just like when they were maybe 50. But old old is when the number matches the physical and mental condition, okay? All of these people, no matter if they're 90-year-old Feinstein or the 80-year-old Biden or the 54-year-old Fetterman or the 81-year-old McConnell, none of these people should be in their positions. They're incapable of doing their jobs. I've heard a lot of people describe all of this as, quote, sad. Oh, it's so sad for Biden. Oh, it's so sad for Fetterman. It's sad for Feinstein. Guys, this is not sad, except for maybe their families who obviously don't give a flying wit about them. They only care about power. But this is not sad. This is infuriating. And I think that's where most of the American people are right now. They are infuriated that the United States of America is in this position. It's incredibly dangerous. The world is a dangerous place full of threats and challenges. And many of our top leaders are watching Wheel of Fortune while drooling on their bibs. They all need to go. End the charade already. On the top two, Biden and McConnell. Let's begin first with Joe Biden. So the other day, Greg Kelly of Newsmax, um, my good friend Greg Kelly, who has been on this show, he went on his Newsmax program and he claimed that an audio tape exists that reveals, quote, incontrovertible evidence of Biden's deep, deep corruption and selling out his country. Interesting. Greg said that uh, this audio tape is going to be released sometime between next week and Halloween. Greg went on to say that Biden, after this audio tape is released, he will not be able to continue as a presidential candidate. If this is true, this is huge. Now, will there be a rallying around Joe Biden from Democrats and the press? Sure. And depending on where this audio is released, if it's released in Congress, the press is going to have to report it. They'll bury it, but they will have to report it. If they give it to, if it's released like on Greg Kelly's show on Newsmax or Fox News or something, then the propaganda press will have an excuse not to cover it. But if this is true, this will be the linchpin, at least on the Democratic side of the presidential race. If Biden is forced to resign or at least step aside as the Democratic candidate, it will only be because the left's power brokers, including in the deep state, want him gone. I've been telling you this for months, months So you are the most informed audience because I bring you these things long before most others. So they will move him out. Remember, I've said this to you for months, that when the left's power brokers and the deep state operatives that are controlling all of this, including our elections, they're going to evaluate. I told you this in in the spring, and I said in the fall, they're going to have to make an executive decision on Biden. They could get away with running Biden as a puppet in 2020 because of COVID, mass mail-in balloting. They could keep him in the basement. They didn't have to get him out there. Uh, No rallies, no major appearances. They could hide him away and just cruise in on all of the chaos they created in 2020 between the virus, uh, between the Antifa and Black Lives Matter burning down the country, the rigging of the election with the mass mail-in balloting, the ballot harvesting, all of that chaos that they created, that's how they could get Biden right in there. And I told you in the spring that they were going to make a calculation come fall, and here we are, on whether or not they could pull it off again with Biden. 
And if they believe that they could, if their crisis plan, new pandemic, uh, Trump tied up in court, if they thought that they could pull it off again with Biden, they would. But I told you, if they made the calculation that they thought that they couldn't pull it off again, that they would ditch him so fast your head would spin. And I also told you the only reason we know about all of this bribery, all of this treason, all of this corruption from Joe Biden, Hunter Biden, the rest of the Biden family is because the deep state wanted us to know. If they didn't want us to know this, if they wanted to hold on to Biden, we would not know all of this. They would find a way to bury it or at the very least mitigate it. But we now have mountains of evidence of the absolute putrid corruption of this man and his family. So it appears, if this is true, and remember, we still have reams of additional evidence, countless hearings coming up. McCarthy has said he may create an entire uh, new dedicated committee, congressional committee, uh, to do the impeachment inquiry. So we've got impeachment coming up. We have all of these things now lined up. And if this audio tape is true, if Greg Kelly's hype on this is right, well, it, it could be the nail in the coffin. And it's because they will have calculated, as I told you months ago, that they want to move him out. And they want to pave the way for someone else. It's not going to be Kamala. They're going to have to get rid of her too. Both of them have outlived their usefulness. They were useful idiots for the globalists, for the Obamas and their machine, but their useful idiotness has now expired. The puppeteers look like they're done pulling the strings. Off to the puppet graveyard they go. So the question is, who replaces them? Gavin Newsom, Mrs. Clinton, Gretchen Whitmer, Michelle Obama? I've told you about that possibility now for a year and a half, along with our friend Joel Gilbert, who did the documentary, Michelle Obama 2024. He did that last year. If this Biden audio tape is real, get ready and let the games begin. As for Mitch McConnell, there is a Democrat governor in the state of Kentucky, Andy Brashear, who uh, would appoint McConnell's successor if McConnell were to resign. Now, the Republicans in Kentucky actually did a great thing. They passed legislation that requires that the governor, if he is going to appoint uh, people in positions like this, that he can only go from a list submitted by the legislature, and the legislature is Republican. So the Republican legislature can come up with a short list for the governor, and the governor has to choose among them. So the Republicans can present Republican names. But it hasn't been, um, it hasn't been litigated. It hasn't gone through the courts. So you would probably have big legal challenges there. Nobody wants to see, like, massive chaos including McConnell. McConnell is very much aware of that dynamic. But guys, we are in a very dangerous moment in this country. And we need effective leaders fighting back. That is not Mitch McConnell. Apart from the fact that he is wandering around freezing on camera, Mitch McConnell is an establishment swamp creature who is outwardly hostile to the Republican base. So you've got the Senate minority leader, so technically the top functioning Republican in the country, who is outwardly hostile to the Republican base, America First and Donald Trump. McConnell hates Trump. And he's been working with the Democrats and the deep state to block Trump and prevent him from running again and all of the rest. Mitch McConnell is not America first. Mitch McConnell is traditional um, establishment Republican. That's not where the party is. 
the base is miles away from him. And he's been waging war on us. So no, there is no love for Mitch McConnell. And all of the talk about how he is the master of the Senate and parliamentary procedure, so we can't afford to lose him. You know what, guys, that may have been true for years, but now that is nonsense. When Mitch McConnell was out for months after he fell earlier this year, no one missed him. The GOP side of the Senate operated just fine. So he should stay in office until Kentucky can elect a Republican governor, Daniel Cameron, who is amazing. He is a conservative African-American Republican candidate running against the incumbent Democrat. And the election is this November, not next November, this one. And we've got to get him in there to appoint McConnell's successor. But McConnell should step down as GOP minority leader. Guys, we need a fighter. We need America first. We need someone at the top of his game who gets it. John Thune of South Dakota seems next in line, and this is what Republicans do. It's infuriating. Uh, He's next in line, and uh, it seems like nobody really wants to take him on because he's the logical next choice. It's infuriating, but there it is. Now, John Thune is not exactly Matt Gates, but he will be better than what we've got. We need America first warriors on all fronts. Let's go. Speaking of needing qualified America first warriors, the post-indictment and post-mugshot polls are out, and Donald Trump has spiked yet again. He is up about 40 to 50 points, in some cases more than that, over his nearest GOP competitor. And that nearest competitor fluctuates. Sometimes it's Vivek, sometimes it's DeSantis. Who knows? But they are so far behind Donald Trump, and the mugshot and this latest indictment has only increased Trump's lead. And now, according to a number of polls like Rasmussen, McLaughlin, and Sean Cooperman, among others, Donald Trump is now leading Joe Biden by a significant amount, anywhere from one to seven points. And so much of this is related to the massive pylon on Donald Trump. It's having a rallying effect of people who may not even like Trump before, but are now looking at this and going, oh, come on. And it's also a direct result of policy. Biden is running around the country touting Bidenomics. What are Bidenomics, you might ask? Well, Bidenomics are the deliberate destruction of our economy. Biden is running around trying to put lipstick on a pig, but it's laughably insane. The economic numbers are really bad. They show a much more grim picture than what Biden is trying to sell which is a pile of horse shit. Gas prices are up almost 20% this year alone. They're 71% higher than just three years ago when Donald Trump was in office and got us to energy independence. The United States was a net exporter of energy under Trump. That keeps prices down for you and me, the American consumer. Meanwhile, the Bureau of Labor Statistics data shows that during the past 12 months, food costs have risen 4.9%, rent is up 8%, and transportation services are up 9%. Why? Gas, fuel. Everybody is getting squeezed, mostly the middle and working classes and the poor. The same groups that the Democrats say that they champion. Sure, another line of horseshit. They want every single one of us dependent and poor so that we're even more dependent on them and the government. It is a human rights violation, okay? What the Democrats are all about is a crime against humanity, the entire party. This abysmal economic record, along with all of the other Biden catastrophes from the Afghanistan withdrawal to the wide open border to the collapse of law and order, the collapse of our cities, all of it explain Biden's falling poll numbers, especially vis-a-vis Trump. 
in a potential rematch. Okay. So that's why you're seeing these poll numbers and who knows how reliable they are. And we are what, 14 months away from the general election. These polls are just a snapshot in time, but they do show a trend toward Donald Trump. That's quite a dramatic turnaround for him. The leftists and the deep state pylon is backfiring on them. Oh, but Monica, they want him to be the nominee. Maybe, maybe, sure. Maybe they still think that he is the most beatable. And they're certainly going to try to steal the election again. But I am telling you, these polls do show a trend. And these polls are coming from Democrats. Well, they're trying to set Trump up to be the nominee. Uh, No, because you got conservatives uh, showing the same thing. This is a dramatic turnaround for Donald Trump. All of this is backfiring. And, you know, I would say to Democrats who want to run against Donald Trump, be careful what you wish for. This is all quite delicious to watch. Who knows if these poll numbers are going to stay like this, but this is where we are right now. And this is why the Republican field is already narrowing. Miami Mayor Francis Suarez this week said, I'm out. Many more to come, guys, so you're not going to want to miss a moment. All right, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to get the latest Washington, D.C. report from the swamp from our good friend. Okay, everybody, listen up. We all want to be healthier, right? Well, to get there, we have to have a healthier diet, which is not always easy to do. I can attest to that. You know, that shredded lettuce in a double-double And the fruit filling in a donut are amazing, but they do not count toward the recommended five servings of fruits and vegetables a day. Sorry to be the one to break it to you, but they don't. I don't always eat healthy either, but I will share that the Mayo Clinic says if you want to help prevent heart disease, lower blood pressure, and cholesterol, eat five servings of fruits and vegetables every day. I don't and you probably won't. That's why I take Field of Greens. Unlike other supplements, each fruit and each vegetable in Field of Greens was medically selected by doctors to support your vital organs, like the heart, lungs, kidneys, and the immune system. Flu season is here, and I trust Field of Greens to help me stay healthy. Field of Greens works fast and tastes so good. It's really delicious, guys. And you'll feel better with more energy, and you'll notice your skin, hair, and nails will look healthier too. I certainly noticed that in me since I started taking Field of Greens. If you don't always eat right and exercise, join me and take Field of Greens. Let me get you started with 15% off your first order. Visit fieldofgreens.com and use promo code MONICA. That's promo code MONICA at fieldofgreens.com, fieldofgreens.com. Cheryl Chumley of the Washington Times, she's got the inside scoop. Sit tight. Well, as promised for the latest from the swamp, I am so happy to welcome my good friend, Cheryl Chumley. Cheryl is the online opinion editor at the Washington Times. That's a job I used to have, and she does an amazing job over there. Please go check out the Washington Times online, especially their excellent excellent op-ed section. She's also the host of the Bold and Blunt podcast at the Washington Times, on which I've been a guest, and that's a terrific show as well. Cheryl joins us now. Hi, my friend. Hi, Monica. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be with you. Well, it's always so nice to talk to you too, Cheryl. And you are our go-to person this week for all things swamp. I don't know if that's a compliment or or not, Um, but you do extraordinary work at the Washington Times. And like I said, that op-ed section is literally one of the best in the country. So I recommend it to everybody. Um, Okay. Like I said, Cheryl, you are coming to us from Washington where the August recess for Congress and the White House is almost over. I I don't know, apart from teachers who are off in the summer, is there another job that has this much time off before we get to what they're doing? I mean, they are literally, I know they're doing constituent work and they're in their districts and everything, 
But holy smokes, they take a lot of time away, don't they? They sure do. And I guess the only position that offers more time off would be the commander in chief. <laughs> Joe Biden, right? I mean, talk about a guy who takes vacations. And even when he's not vacationing, it appears like he's on vacation. So it's, it, you know, it, your, your comment is, is dead on because taxpayers, of course, are funding all these positions. Well, that's that's exactly right. And I remind this audience of that all the time, that we are actually funding our own destruction. And that is more infuriating to me than anything else. Um, all right. Yeah. And by the way, Joe Biden has spent 40 percent, 40 percent of his presidency on vacation. But I digress. Um, so this recess is almost over. They're going to come back and then things are going to take off like a rocket ship. Let's start with the impeachment of Joe Biden, the vacationing president, in air quotes. Uh, Speaker McCarthy says that the impeachment inquiry is on, that he may set up a special committee uh, to lead the charge on this. What? Where do we go from here? What's the first thing that's going to happen here when they get back? Well, uh, under pressure, right, from conservatives, I think Speaker McCarthy is pushing forward the impeachment inquiry. And even when he says that, to me, it sounds like he's walking both sides of the aisle. He's going to establish a committee. He's going to inquire about possibly impeaching. And it's certainly not as strong as what is is the type of rhetoric you hear from Marjorie Taylor Greene, right? So when you ask what to expect, I think there's going to be some theater and a, a little circus show that will maybe change the narrative and, and take off some of the heat from Donald Trump right now and put it on Joe Biden where it more rightly belongs. But if people are thinking that Congress is going to come forward with these solid impeachment charges and then it heads to the Senate and uh, Joe Biden is actually impeached, I, I think that's a little bit too optimistic. They are trying to build a case. We had Chair and Comer on a couple of months ago uh, talking about the, the Biden bribery. Um, we've had other members of Congress uh, here who are leading the charge in these investigations. So they are building a pretty substantial case of bribery, if not right out treason. Uh, we have heard, and I just uh, did my monologue about uh, Greg Kelly's assertion that there is an audio tape that will end it for Joe Biden, that it is incontrovertible proof of the deepest corruption and bribery and the fact that Joe Biden and his family sold out our country and that he will not be allowed uh, to continue to be the candidate. I don't know how this is going to play out. I don't think anybody really knows. But do you sense, is it your your sense that the Republicans in the House are, they're going to try to build an airtight case because they're not like Democrats who just shot from the hip at Donald Trump and did an impeachment without any evidence or any facts or any truth. But the Republicans want to be far more careful about that. And I, I get it. But is it is it your sense that the Republicans are committed to this path? And you may actually see a vote to impeach in the House. Obviously, it will die in the Senate, but that they are committed to at least um, that the House is at least committed to holding Joe Biden accountable. That's the question, right? And look, I'm pretty cynical about uh, things politically because it always appears to me that Democrats duck and dodge truths and get by with it because they have their fawners and their worshipers in the media. And Republicans, be uh, more principled anyhow, usually try and take the high road and do just what you say, cross all the T's and dots all, dot all the I's and make this irrefutable case that any American citizen in the right mindset could see that it's the truth going forward and Joe Biden, yes, indeed, deserves to be impeached. So I, I think what you describe, the Republicans will take their time and make a solid case, which in my opinion already exists, right? I mean, Joe Biden with the corruption and some in his administration with the corruption, if if 
Donald Trump were the standard for impeachment, then Joe Biden would have been impeached from day one. So I, I think that there are two different uh, tracks here. There's the truth about what Democrats are, have done, what, what this administration has done, and that is certainly impeachable offenses. And then there's the politics of the situation. And I don't see, no matter how much uh, fire comes forth proving that Joe Biden has committed impeachable offenses, that there is going to be any sort of groundswell from this Republican Party that he needs to go. I think the predictable players will come forward with their strong rhetoric and make their case. But in the end, I just see the Repu- Republican Party disappointing conservatives once again. You know, it's it's interesting what you lay out, and I agree with your overall sense of this, Cheryl, but I do think that the Republican base wants this. I think a lot of independents want this because the Biden corruption is just off the charts, and the fact that they impeached Donald Trump twice over nothing— uh, turnabout is fair play, especially since in the Biden case, there is actual corruption and crimes. So I think that the House is going to move forward. They're going down this path that they're going to begin this process. They can't begin the process and then not see it to its logical conclusion. Will there be a handful of Republicans in the House who vote not to impeach when it comes to a vote? Probably. But I also think that It's sort of an easy political gimme for them because they know it's a safe bet because it's going to die in the House. I'm I'm sorry, in the Senate. So they can vote to impeach knowing that Biden is not going to be removed from office. And then they can go back to their districts and their states and say, see, we aired out all of this evidence of corruption. I voted to impeach. But gosh, golly, the Senate just couldn't get it together to remove him. I think that's going to be the ultimate play here. And and then where does that leave the American people, though, in the end, right? It, it's just Joe Biden is a corrupt guy. And people, people who don't see that, it's not going to change their mind to have the big impeachment next to his name, right? And so we're still going to at the end of all this political theater. And I say that. Also saying that I do believe it needs to go forward. At this point, Republicans need to take a strong stand and they need to fight back against this very corrupt Democrat party and this very corrupt president and make it clear that that Republicans are willing to go down the impeachment trail as well, but for reasons that are justified. So that being said, though, at the end, where is that going to leave the American people? We're still going to have this country that has a problem with a growing globalist influence in America and a growing Marxist influence in our culture, which is, in the end, that what's going to take down America from the inside. So, yeah, let's go forward with the impeachment and let let's let's impeach Joe Biden let's get that you know asterisk next to his name same as Donald Trump has been forced to deal with now for for years but i think looking ahead we need to realize that politics in america is not where we are going to find our solution to bring America back to the founding ideals and the American exceptionalism that we on the conservative side want and have been wrongfully expecting the Republican Party to suddenly awaken and bring back into America. It's not going to happen politically. And I think the bigger theme here going forward is we need to be careful when we vote next time around. First off, vote Donald Trump because he's the only guy that sees the true perils to America and that recognizes its God-given individual liberties that keeps our nation free, not, you know, strong Republicans. And then second off, we need to also, as, as a nation, come together on some principles that united us at the beginning and should still unite us today. And in my view, that's the, the Judeo-Christian principles that made our nation strong in the first place. Yes, you're exactly right about that. The The caveat to that is that the other side is at war, and they have been at war for 90 years to destroy this country. This is a Marxist revolution. And, you know, you're not dealing with your father's or grandfather's Democratic Party. So I think, you know, the Republican base is keenly aware of that. And they're like, okay, you know, the, the, we're in a different universe now. 
And unless we basically mirror what the other side is doing, and I don't mean the illegal stuff, but I mean in terms of tactics and everything else, we're going to lose our country for good. And that's why the impeachment of Joe Biden is so critical, because we need to air out all of this evidence so the American people can see it. We do need that asterisk after his name, because we cannot be in the position of not impeaching him and therefore looking like we tolerate this kind of corruption. And and this war on this country. So that that's all to say that I think it's it's absolutely necessary to go forward. Even though all of this is tremendously destructive to the country, we didn't start the fire; they did. And so now the battle is joined. Um, before we get off of this uh, topic of the impeachment, move on to the other stuff Congress might do this session. Um, Cheryl, you know the focus of the impeachment is going to be the bribery and the cover-up of the bribery. But there are so many other things to impeach Joe Biden on, including the catastrophic withdrawal from Afghanistan that led to the deaths of 13 brave Americans, his dereliction of duty at the border. I mean, there's just a long laundry list. So I, I guess the Republicans feel like they have one shot to impeach him. But why just settle on one area? of impeachment. Why not constantly be impeaching him like they were trying to do to Donald Trump? You make a good point, right? And this is where I waffle, Monica. You know, on what logically I I see both sides of the argument there. Yes, let's do what the Democrats did to Donald Trump and then show the Democrats that we are not afraid of them because that's been a long standing sort of concern with conservatives in America that Republicans get elected on uh, one promise or another, then go to Capitol Hill, and then you see them go behind closed doors with Democrats. And, and next thing they come out and they announce compromises with Democrats, which is another way of saying wins for Democrats. So it's important to make that stance at least. But on the other hand, it's, it's, it's almost as if we are getting down in the mud with Democrats and the Republican Party, conservatives in general, have long prided themselves on being the party of principle, not of just politics and, and dirty politicking and, and tear down and destroy political enemies, right? So this is sort of where I waffle. And I suppose at this point in time, it makes sense to throw the kitchen sink at Joe Biden because at least with Joe Biden, there's truth among that kitchen sink, right? With Donald Trump, it was one fabrication after another. I remember, and I bet you do too, Monica, I remember the calls for impeachment of Donald Trump before he was even inaugurated. Correct. So it, it it's ridiculous. And then that just followed him throughout his four years. And then when he was back being a private citizen, they still wanted to go after him. So it, it, it it would it would more stick if we threw the kitchen sink at Joe Biden than the Democrats have been trying to do against Donald Trump for years. You know, sticking to principle and playing Mr. Nice Guy, that's what got, has gotten us to this point where the country is near collapse. So the Republican base wants fighters. And, and we're, the time of playing nice is long past. Um, all right. So obviously the impeachment is going to be the centerpiece for the House this fall. What kind of other things can we expect out of Congress this session, do you think? Well, I'm sure they were, they were, there will be more compromises and talk about the budget, right? The, the, when voters vote, it still comes down to their own pocketbooks. When they go to the polls, it, what's on their minds is how much money they have left over in their pockets after government takes all the taxes out and so forth. And I think that's going to be a big issue. And I think Republicans have a potential higher ground move here to make, pointing out that it wasn't so long ago the economy was so great under Republican principles, under a Republican Republican economy versus the Joe Biden feckless economy. So I think that's one issue that we can see that we can expect Republicans will be harping on. Yes. 
Yes, absolutely. And the point that I keep making is, you know, the the voting public doesn't have to reach back 40 years to the Reagan uh, booming economy to remember what a thriving economy was all about. They only have to reach back a couple of years to President Trump. Their lives were so much better just a couple of years ago before COVID, certainly before Joe Biden. They have fond memories of that Trump economy and they want to go back to it. So I think you're exactly right on, on the economic side. And again, there's only so much they can do. The Republicans have such a small uh, margin in the House, and they don't control the Senate, certainly don't control the White House. So they can only do so much, um, but that doesn't mean they shouldn't be fighting, and they're held accountable by the GOP base every day on that, which is great to see. Um, Before we let you go, let's just get your insights into the presidential race, Cheryl, because you're down there in Washington. What is the buzz about Biden? I mean, he is now facing all of these investigations, the impeachment, plus he's increasingly senile. Is the buzz down there that he is going to be the nominee? What is the scuttlebutt? Yes, still, right? Still, uh, the expectations are that he is going to be the nominee. But we all saw that recent poll that came out that showed, what was it, 77% of Americans? It was give or take around that number. Uh, think that he will not be effective as a second term. And in that poll, the the most interesting figures to me were that Democrats, something like 68, 69 uh, percent of Democrats believe that as well. So I think Democrats, more and more Democrats, as the weeks go by and as we see Joe Biden make more and more mental mistakes, I I think Democrats are turning more and more toward other candidates, perhaps Gavin Newsom, right? He's always in the talk. Uh, and there are some others in the Democrat Party who would love to step forward because Joe Biden, let's face it, another four years of him, I'm not even sure that he would be able physically to stand on any podium stage in, in, in the next in, in a next Joe Biden administration. And as far as Republicans go, look, Donald Trump still has the groundswell, right? There's no denying it. No matter how many indictments he faces, no matter how many charges and allegations, more and more even independents are awakening to the fact that, hey, this guy is being attacked politically and we don't like our government to have the power to do that. I agree. I think the Republican primary is over, but I think that the Democratic one hasn't even begun yet. And they've got a they got a huge Joe Biden problem. I think they're going to remove him. I think the left's power brokers have already made that decision. But they also have a huge Kamala Harris program problem, and they got to dispense with her too. Uh, so this is going to be a very interesting fall heading into the winter because they got a short time frame here. And it may be Gavin Newsom. It may be Mrs. Clinton. It may be Mrs. Obama. We just don't know. So buckle up, everybody, because it's going to be a very interesting year plus. That's for sure. Cheryl Chumley, the online opinion editor at The Washington Times, the host of the Bold and Blunt podcast. Go check it all out. Cheryl, I want to thank you so much for being here and for sharing your insights. Thank you, Monica. Thank you for all you do, too. Oh, well, I appreciate that. Right back at you, Cheryl. Much appreciated. Okay, guys, that's going to do it for me today. Thank you so much for joining me. As always, delighted to have you on board. Have a very good end to your week this week. A fantastic Labor Day with those you love. And I will see you right back here next Tuesday to kick off a brand new month, September, with some unbelievable material and some fantastic guests. I'll see you then.